Welcome everyone to another episode of Not Your Average Music Therapist. <laughs> Today I'm so excited to have with me my guest, Mabel, one of my best internet friends that I have yet to meet in person, which is so unfortunate. <laughs> but we, um, probably by the time you're listening to this, we have launched our very own podcast together, Seasons of Resilience. So I really hope you jump over to that and listen to that and then come back here and get to know Mabel. But I'm really excited for Mabel to share her story today. So Mabel, how about we start with who you are, what you're doing right now, where you're living. Yeah, and then we'll go from there. First of all, I am so excited to be here and Yay. I cannot wait to meet you in person. You know, <laughs> we were talking the other day that we look forward to next year and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to meet maybe during conference or I'll fly out there. Mm-hmm. But or we'll take a vacation in Florida because it's yeah, so cold up here in Rochester. <laughs> definitely come here. Um, you have friends here. And um, it's just so crazy to me that I, you know, we have this friendship and we haven't even met yeah. in person. But anyway. it really, it really goes to show you like how powerful like social media is mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. good it can be because yeah. we often talk about how toxic it can be and it can like suck the life away, but. In mm-hmm. the case of our friendship, it's just been really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And very a- genuine and authentic. So, yeah. yeah, I'm very grateful for that. Well, my name is Mabel, and I am, a, I guess I, I will say that I'm a music therapist. I, I guess I have many things that I could say. I am <laughs> a daughter, a Hispanic, uh, female a Puerto Rican, but I am a Hispanic music therapist living in Florida, and I am originally, or I grew up in Puerto Rico, and I currently work in hospice and bereavement, which I love. I love working in end of life, and I also have my small private practice Oh, so exciting. Yes, I'm so (laughs) excited. And I take clients. I don't work with um, terminally ill clients, but I work more on um, wellness goals and also in just like rehab goals and things like that. So there, it's, I I feel like I I have two worlds that I I work yeah. in and one it's um in hospice and then my prior practice which I I like because it's it's a good variety yeah um and I and I just have and it, you know what I like about having a prior practice is that I can have that control on on who my ideal client is so mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah, that yeah that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I opened it this year, 2020, mm-hmm. which is crazy to say because of so many difficulties that we've all had, have, and small businesses too, and it's just so crazy to, for me to say, oh yeah, I I opened my small yeah. business 2020, 
you know. Did you, I, did you always want to have a private practice? No. No. Definitely okay. no. Did you even know, like, like, let's say when you were in school or when you graduated music therapy, did you think, like, one day I'm going to open my own practice? No. It was a total oh, no. So because interesting. Yeah. I wanted to work either at a general hospital or mm. I wanted to work in a psych hospital. Wow. So, so things have totally... Totally changed. Net yeah. Hospice was another thing that I never... I said, no, I will never work there. Work at a hospice oh or that organization. And hmm, look at me now. <laughs> Here you are, full-time in hospice. <laughs> Here I am. And loving And you've it. been there for a while too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. About wow. five years now. Mm-hmm. Five years? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So Crazy. you know, like, the ins and the outs of hospice care and bereavement work and hospice well, music therapy. I don't know if I I know everything. Five years, though. I mean, that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, especially in, in hospice, I, I really feel very confident in what I do. Mm-hmm. Although I always, I mean, there's not a time that I don't learn. I always sure. say that my clients are my best teachers, and that yeah. is the truth. And as long as I have clients that it's always going to be the case so i i'm always going to keep learning um Mm -hmm. but bereavement though that's something that it's newish for me and it's it's not that i don't feel comfortable because i do love working in bereavement it's just different and i don't Mm -hmm. have as much of like experience in that if that if that if that makes Mm -hmm. sense like I feel confident in what I'm doing but I what the things that I address the goals that I address or needs are can be different so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I'm an expert on that although I (laughs) love that topic yeah wow so it's so interesting to hear like you never thought you'd have a private practice. You never really dreamed of working in hospice care. Um, you didn't know that you were going to go into working in bereavement. And then no. here you are. Well, I actually never even thought that I would be a music therapist. Or really? A, or that I would pursue a career in music, to be oh honest. My. Oh, my gosh. Really? Like, so yeah. just music alone. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Uh, music okay. was something that came to my life later in my teen years. Oh, so I want to hear it, this. It's kind of, <laughs> you know, I, I, I often felt embarrassed to say this because when I, so I went to the Conservatory of Music in Puerto Rico and I, and I majored in music education and I played the French horn. That's my main primary instrument. And I obviously realized that there were some people that were very, very talented and they were so good, much mm. better than me. Um, and although, I mean, I had the ability to be there and the talent, but it's just like I can never compare to those people. And then one of, but one of the thing to, things that made it, I mean, that they were so good it's because they they were playing their instruments since they were like nine or ten and I had just started when I was 16 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You crazy. started at 16 on the French horn? Yep. Wow. Which is considered kind of late. Wouldn't yeah. you say that? Yeah, because when you're saying these people start at 9 or 10, I start at 9. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about the age that people yeah. start joining mm-hmm. bands, right? Yeah. But and I, I didn't have that opportunity. I did wow. participate in choirs. So, okay, yeah, so like other I've, I've always been a creative person. But So you picked up French horn, mm-hmm. like, at at a professional level to be considered, you know, in the conservatory so quickly because, so you were 16 and then you probably applied to college at 17, 18. Mm -hmm. I was 18. Mm -hmm. So just two years, you mastered the French horn enough to get into conservatory. Like what? That's so cool, Mabel. (laughs) I I don't know. You're like, I don't know how it happened. (laughs) I don't know. Either, I mean... I probably I loved it so much mm. that I practiced in a way that made me proficient enough <laughs> to yeah. get in. <laughs> or That's just so like cool. a like a oh, it was a miracle. I don't know what happened, yeah. but I, mm. <laughs> I made it. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and looking back, I think like wow, <laughs> how in the world there are people yeah. that you know. And and I wouldn't say that I am. Super talented or anything, but I think that I had a lot of drive and a lot mm-hmm. of passion for it, so that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, it it makes me think of the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone knows the Enneagram, Mabel, do you mind me sharing your Enneagram? I don't mind. Mabel is uh, Enneagram three, yeah. which makes so much sense when you say, you know, I had this drive and this passion. It's like. I feel like Enneagram 3s can like accomplish anything that they set their minds to. Mm-hmm. So, how cool that in 2 years you learned the French horn so well <laughs> that you made it into a college for music. And um so what what made you want to go into music ed then? You know, sometimes I don't know. <laughs> that's a great answer (laughs) but I think it I mean I I had a passion for it I really Mm -hmm. the you know as me okay so wouldn't you agree that as musicians we have like this environment and it's just like sometimes it can be fun and it's like a Mm -hmm. family yeah or at least that that, that's how I felt and I Uh and I feel like I never probably felt so like that I that I belong mm-hmm. in, in that community before yeah like this community and so right I, I think that I had a lot to do with me wanting to pursue music education yeah um, what else I think well I just liked playing I just liked yeah teaching you know little kids so, so. you didn't you didn't want to go into music performance no no no, no. <laughs> hard no <laughs> hard no and I and I wasn't no I wasn't thinking of I didn't want to play in front of people it, it was never oh, okay. like that mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. interesting because 
you know, I I didn't know about music therapy then, but I mm. I wanted to do with music what a music therapist does. Yeah, it was like within you, mm-hmm. and and you didn't you just didn't have like the language for it yet, or no. you weren't exposed to what music therapy was. Wow. I actually wanted to be well. I actually got accepted into the school of engine engineering. Oh, and, yeah. so this is a whole a whole other. You, side. I don't think you know this. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think you. Know. I don't know. I think okay. you're just getting to know me now too. <laughs> and I, I wasn't gonna study music at all. Wow. So, so you kind of had two paths that you were mm-hmm. choosing between mm-hmm. this music path that was kind of new in the sense of. With French horn, did you play an orchestra? Did you have an orchestra? A band. A band? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Mm -hmm. French horn and band. So you had this experience of like a family, a team, making beautiful music together. Mm -hmm. But then probably every other part of your life um, gave you the tools and the skills to go this other very mathematical and... and, um, I don't know even what to say about it very structured mm-hmm. um, engineering route. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then like what do you, I mean, before you said, I don't know, but do you know like why you chose music over engineering? I had gone to a camp the year before. Um, so when I was a junior in high school, I had gone gone to an engineering camp. And um, I mean, it was... I liked the experience, but I could tell the environment was not what I, I don't think it was what I wanted to be in for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm, so, and then, I mean, I loved chemistry. I mm-hmm. still do. And so I wanted to go for chemical engineering so because those things were combined in one profession, I thought, well, maybe this is what I need to study. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like, I mean, I, I don't know if you would say this about yourself, but I think you are a very intuitive person. Mm-hmm. And it feels like maybe that was, like your intuition was what made the decision for you to go yeah. the music route. Like something, something didn't feel completely right at that engineering camp. Yeah, and so then, and just even even applying, you know, you tour the mm-hmm. the places, and you know, the senior year, I I had been accepted and everything, and you explore those careers. But yeah. I just I just felt like I didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> there was a point that to be honest, how it how it how it happened, I was going to room with a friend and we already had like a place picked out to live because it was a different wow. town. Yeah. And um and I remember that same weekend after we came back of looking at apartments and stuff, I said, I can't do it. And I told her, I call her, I, wow. I, I'm not going to move. And then that was a weekend. And then oh my that week I called 
another branch of that university that was closer to home. And I transferred to that school. That was the summer. So I transferred so I could start in August in that that school instead of the other one that was in another like town far mm-hmm. from home. And I yeah, and I and I transferred and then I changed majors to Wait, so you already started school. Yeah. And then you switched to music. Mm-hmm. I think I was I was yeah. Oh my gosh. I, was, I think wow. I I attended a semester as a chemical engineering uh-huh major but only yeah. taking general classes and then the okay. next semester I was in education. And then mm-hmm. the next, the second year of undergrad, I transferred to the Conservatory of Music. So I had already oh. a year of college because wow. I made that decision so um, late and, you know, uh-huh. so in the moment. So I needed to prepare my so, audition and everything. So that whole, so that semester or so that you were in chemical engineering and then education, were you still playing your French horn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was living closer to home, I still could take classes with oh. my instructor. Okay, yeah. After, you know, um, I was in college and still taking classes mm-hmm. and preparing for my audition, basically. So the music so, never stopped that whole time? No, because it then... It was like calling you back. <laughs> when I changed majors, when I, well, I'd say, when I transferred to that school... Mm-hmm. To be close to home and to keep playing French horn. That the plan was, if I'm not going to engineering school or college, I'm going to apply, and I'm, I'm going. It's it wasn't a matter of if I apply or if I, no. I'm going to enter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be, um, you know, studying there next year. That's mm-hmm. the plan. So you knew, okay. You know, I mean, I'm not I, doing I, I had no choice. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I guess it probably With felt my like parents. That. <laughs> yeah, I said to them, "I am so yeah. sure," and I oh. I know that this is yeah. Were they supportive through that time too? They were, but they yeah. were. They definitely did not want me there. Um, oh, sure. Then to to change majors to oh go my to gosh. Um, the whole process study music yeah they they did not they fought it <laughs> they oh. were like you know <laughs> what you can do you can study engineering and play your mm-hmm. French horn as a hobby blah 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 yeah so so many parents don't don't think that you can make it in anything music related as a career mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, my gosh. And we're just getting started here, and there's so much more to go. <laughs> okay, so you started out engineering, and then you went to education, then music education. So then, um, was, there, was there a time when you were in school for music education when you learned about music therapy? Or yes. did that come after? Like, were you already a music teacher and then you heard about music therapy? Like, tell us about that. I was attending the, conservat- the Conservatory of Music. And this was the, when I learned about music therapy, was the last semester before my student teaching 
semester, which is mm-hmm. the last semester you have in education. So I remember it vividly. It was December and the second week of December. And one of my professors said to me, you know, as we were preparing for this student teaching position for next semester, he told me, you know, I, lo- I know that you love education and teaching, but there's this up and coming career in the States that it's just, you know, growing and it's called music therapy. And I think that you, you will really enjoy this career because of your personality and who you are. I think that you will enjoy it. Look it up. And I did. And I, you know, I really didn't have a, a good picture of how, I mean, I, I had no, no idea how music therapy, what, like, I, I don't know. I just didn't know mm-hmm. much about it. I just saw, you know, I saw a lot of videos. Um, what was the, what was the name? I think it was a lot of North of Robin oh, sure. uh, videos mm-hmm. and um, improvisational videos. And I was very impacted by by that. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, I can use music to help people. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And yeah. so I, you know, just like many other college age students mm-hmm. when we are approaching graduation we don't know what is gonna happen next i just said what the heck i'm just gonna apply and that's oh it that's just gonna be it and it was the second week of wow. december and i remember looking up two colleges mm-hmm. including one of them including florida state university and both of them had the deadline that same week on friday oh no yeah so <laughs> It, I am amazed that I even got accepted because it was all so rushed. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had to take like an exam and everything. But and do you feel like you work well under pressure? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I was gonna say that because it it seems like a lot of things are like, you know, you're just gonna put your all into it and succeed. Um, and yeah. that's so cool that, like, you had one week to figure out everything. Yeah, I think it, it was that week or the week prior. Because now that I remember, I did have I did have to take an exam, mm. uh, the TOEFL. So if you are a, if you're not a native English speaker, you have to take this exam called the TOEFL. And you have to have a good enough score or, like, high enough score to... Depending on the college, they have like a mm-hmm. score, and I, and I think I I made it barely like two points. <laughs> wow! Um, and so I was accepted at, at the. Is it basically like like an English exam, like making like, sure that you yes. can be able to communicate with people in English? Mm-hmm. They want to know how proficient wow. you are, writing, speaking, listening, those things. Yeah, and. Did you, um, like, grow up in school learning any English? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, you know, Puerto Rico, because of the relationship that it has with the USA, Puerto Rico, 
belongs to the mm-hmm. USA. It's a territory. And there's a lot of influence, American influence there, um, a lot of influence from the United States. And English is part of the, the classes. I mean, mm-hmm. we have um, in kindergarten, starting kindergarten. Wow, so early. We start studying. Yeah. Um, but what, you know, what it actually made a difference it was my parents because mm. they provided my sister and I books to read, like, in English, movies. Oh, how cool. And I remember I was in first grade, and by the time we had a graduation in first grade, <laughs> and I don't know why, but my parents gave me a little gift, and the gift was a little VTech computer. I don't know if you know those computers, oh. but it was, like, a, in, in English, and he said... Uh-huh. If you if you want to play with this, you need to learn English. Oh, and my so goodness. Because I, wow. I wanted to play. So yeah. your parents, like, already knew, like, even when you were so young, that a skill that you will need in your future is to be able to speak in English. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. They really value that. Yeah. Being bilingual. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they value, like, education Mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. Not only, you know, being bilingual, but supporting you through all of your school and then conservatory, like, and then engineering and then conservatory. Yeah, I do. Supporting you through. I have to say I'm very privileged in that regard. Very, very, very. So... When you had heard about music therapy, did you know of any music therapists um, on your island practicing in Mm -mm. Puerto Rico? No. Do you know if there were any at the time? Yes. Okay. Um, Actually, we did have a class. It was like a workshop. We had a Mm. Puerto Rican music therapist um, come and visit the school or the college and provided like a two-day workshop so that was my we did have that exposure I remember yeah so but I didn't know them personally or Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to talk to them yeah before I (laughs) embarked my music therapy journey so I really I'm thankful for that professor who guided me because he was right Mm -hmm. definitely was the profession that it was for me yeah wow and you really feel that that's so cool yeah wow so what a journey you've had even just to get to music therapy Mm -hmm. (laughs) we didn't even get up to current day present day yet but just to get to hearing about music therapy you went through so much i'm taking all your time with my this is great. <laughs> this is excellent. I love it. So then you obviously made it into one of those two colleges that you applied to um, in the States. And then, so did you know anyone in the area where that college was? Because now you're like, was this like the first time you left home? Mm-hmm. 
It yeah, was. and like not only leaving home, but like leaving your country, mm-hmm. like leaving your family, leaving your island, leaving your country, leaving the place where not only you grew up, but where people understand you and people speak your language and people understand what it's like to grow up um, in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. So what was that like for you? Like, I can imagine so many emotions happening at the same time. When I moved, I didn't think it was going to be as hard as it was. Mm. I don't know why mm-hmm. I had an idea of, oh, it's going to just be great. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I guess I, I was guided by my excitement Yeah, more yeah. than anything. Yeah, that was that was kind of your driving force. Mm-hmm. So then, you get to this new school. Did you know anyone there Mm-mm. at the time? Mm-mm. Did you no. know anyone like in the area? No, not no. At all. So you just like went by yourself, solo to this mm-hmm. new place with new people. Everything, or most maybe probably mostly everything, is English speaking. And you're like, okay, here I am. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I, my parents went with me for two weeks. Oh. Because we had, like, orientation and stuff. And yeah. I am very grateful because they helped me move and get settled. Yeah. And, and oh, my gosh. I guess I just, <laughs> you know, um... In Puerto Rico, you know a lot of people that come to Florida and they all go to, oh, yeah, I'm going to visit Disney World or I'm going to move. And where they move, there's a lot of Hispanics already, like in Orlando, Mm. Miami. And so I had this innocent idea, I guess, and ignorant (laughs) that in Tallahassee, Tallahassee was going to be the same. And I was just going to blend in. It was going to be great. Oh, uh uh-huh. But it wasn't the case. It was totally <laughs> different. So and you I, felt like you were going to find community quickly. Yeah, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, it's just, it's just like moving to another Puerto Rico, I think. Because if there's yeah. so many Hispanics in Florida, <laughs> that's just going to be like that. But uh, nope. Wow. I think I moved to the place that there are not many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, um Definitely. So you were looking for, I guess maybe in your mind, you were looking for a place where you could um, maybe fit in easily mm-hmm. or quickly or, or like find kinship, like find people from your country. I just, I, you know what it is? I don't, I just, I just thought, I, I guess I didn't think much about it because mm-hmm. I didn't think that the way I looked or my the color of my skin or how I talked was going to be such a big deal. Oh, wow. I don't know. Yeah. That's such a that's such a big statement because it shouldn't be such a big deal. Mhm. And yet you're probably smacked in the face with like you're different and stuff like that. Mhm. Uh, yeah. Wow. So at th- at that time, it felt 
bad to be different. Yeah. It didn't feel good at all. Mm-hmm. Probably felt super lonely. Very lonely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very hard. Very, very hard. Especially the first first year was very hard. Mm-hmm. You have to, like, meet new people. You're in this different place. You have to probably only speak English now. And... um you're in a new profession that you don't really know too much about yet. Mm-hmm. I thought I just was going to deal with the hardships of um, completing a master's degree. I just didn't take in consideration the other things that make it harder. Because wow. actually, um, completing the degree, you know, the master's degree wasn't yeah. even the hardest part of it all. Yeah. It wasn't. It was just everything else wow yeah. wow mm. and even even speaking the language 24 7 that didn't bother me mm-hmm. um i think what bothered me was you know what came with pronouncing something um wrong mispronouncing something you know or I don't know, or writing something the wrong way. Mm. The, 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 I guess the shaming, for lack of a yeah. better word, that came from that was the, the hard part. And so. Yeah, like the harsh standards that people uphold with how things need to sound and look mm-hmm. and fit into this very white bubble of America. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That sucks that that it was um, so shaming, too. Because, like, you would think or expect, you know, obviously someone coming from a different country has a different upbringing, probably has a different language, has a different way of, like, being in the world. So... Let's get to know those things and mm-hmm. let's, um, you know, hold those things as um, the beauty that they are mm-hmm. because, it, like, it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be bad that, that you have a different life experience. Like, definitely. That should only be a good thing that makes all of our lives richer and... Mm-hmm more well-rounded yeah just like I say a lot you know when you work with clients when we work with clients that um have a different background uh or speak a different language just proceed with curiosity you know learn about them don't assume just welcome them as they are and and um, acknowledge those differences and learn from them um, and celebrate those things that make you different from mm-hmm. them as well. And um, I would have appreciated that too. You know, when I and I speak about this and I feel like, oh, I don't want to be so, you know, Debbie Downer or anything, but and because I I acknowledge too that this is not the experience of other of my colleagues that probably sure. completed the 
degree alongside me or graduated before or after. And I acknowledge that. But mm -hmm. this is my point of view, my perspective, my story. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't share about this much because of that, because mm -hmm. there's some level of, well, maybe I'm, I have been the only one, but then also I know that I, there are so many other people that have gone through similar situations. I mean, every right. day they still do. Right. Yeah, it's almost like a false security or or safety in staying silent and mm -hmm. not sharing. Mm -hmm. It feels safer, but I think in reality it's like eating at your soul when you don't share it and you don't mm -hmm. bring it into the light. And whatever level of um, like abuse or shaming that has happened to you, it it stays trapped within you until you share and you find out that you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's that's like why I felt so strongly um, about creating this podcast was to share those things that we feel like we're the only ones going through it. And yet it mm -hmm. seems like so many people, so many music therapists have gone through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I meet with, or, or I, I know music therapy students, international music therapy students, or Puerto Rican music therapy students, I love talking with them. Yeah. Because um, in a way, I, I just want to check in and, and mm -hmm. kind of be like, hey, if, if, if you need some support or... Um, some help you don't understand something mm -hmm. you can you can reach out um, because that what that's what made a difference for me too you know mm -hmm. I think that I was able to flourish because I received that guidance later on in my degree and it was mm -hmm. from someone that is also Puerto Rican who is a music therapist working there Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I really think that I, if I wouldn't have had that guidance, I wouldn't have made it to today because wow. I needed to, to know that there was someone else like me that made right. it. Right. Know? Right. And like so. having such a hard first year, like, you know, I don't think anyone would have blamed you for just getting up and leaving and going, going back. Oh yeah. You, I mean, there, there were so many times that I got told like, oh yeah when you return to your island you uh, know when you did it you know I had questions about how do I do this and music when you return mm -hmm. to your island then you can do I'm like who's even in my mind who's even talking about me returning to my island wow <laughs> you know like, so people were like assuming that that's exactly what you were gonna do yeah people yeah and people of authority yeah mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm mm-hmm And you're like, wait a second, who said that you can tell me what I'm going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or are you telling me that because I look like this and because, because I talk like this, I cannot do it here with clients oh, wow. here? You yeah. Know, it, was, it was like that, too. That's so um, 
disempowering to have someone like flippantly say, oh, when you go back to your country, you can do it like this. When, I mean, you are obviously more than capable of being a music therapist here in America Mm -hmm. or any, in any country. And, you know, I, I feel like, like it's a shame that people see differences as a barrier Mm -hmm. you know instead of an opportunity for growth and for connection and for you know magical moments to happen between between you and your client Mm -hmm. yeah one one of the things that I learned early on in my music therapy journey was to not use language as a barrier and I think you know we all need to have that with us (laughs) because we are going to be working with people who speak different languages and it's like how do we overcome that and how can we still provide care those those were some of the richest moments of of my music therapy journey because I could do so much with like one sentence that I learned in Spanish or using my primary instrument or using music without words to connect and music therapy really has nothing to do with how well you can speak a different language mm-hmm. or what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm sorry that you went through um, very shameful experiences mm-hmm. yeah. with and that. that. And, you know, I, I think you know more because we sh- I shared I share a couple of things with you before. So this is like... Not that much. If if people are listening right now and you're like, oh, is that the only thing that, that happened? No, it's, it's not. But, you know, it's not that I want to share everything that right. happened because... The, yeah, um, there's a world behind little things that we, that we share. So yeah. if you've been through um, shaming experience yourself, experiences yourself, um, especially around uh, language or... Race. Being from a different country, yeah, yeah. having a different um, world experience than what people assume you should have in America, which is just BS anyway. Yeah, the, this podcast is for you, and and I know, I don't want to speak for you, but I know Mabel is here um, to talk with anyone who has had those experiences and, and feel like they can they can find some support Um with you, Mabel, in mm-hmm. those similar challenges. Mm-hmm. So you went to music therapy school. You faced some challenges. So so then what happened along the way? You said that there was, like, some supportive music therapists that really helped mm-hmm. you through the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, kept you going. Yes, um... So, well, the first person (laughs) that was so supportive, um, it was my friend. You know, I'm so proud to call her my friend, Christina. She, I remember she sat beside me (laughs) at school and she said, Oh, hi. Are you from Puerto Rico? And she, um, (laughs) she had learned about me because I mistakenly went to a classroom that you know I wasn't meant to be there anyway 
Oh, that's like the worst experience. Oh my god! When you like open the door and everyone's sitting down, you're like, "Is this? I don't know. Is it the right? No, I was. (laughs) I was called out. I was like, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. So anyway. That's even um, worse because you're like, I figured that out. And yeah. now you're making it obvious Can't to everyone else. Let me take this <laughs> class and just tell me at the end. Yeah. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. So I, she was my first friend. And um, she also she has Puerto Rican parents. Um, so and then my friend Amy, who was also my roommate later on. Mm. And um, I have... A couple of friends, like Chelsea, I remember. Um, and then Shout out to all I these have, friends. Woo, yes, you guys you rock. Made, a, <laughs> made a difference in my life. Oh, um, that's awesome. You saved me, honestly. Wow. Um, and then I met... I don't want to use some some names because I just... Oh, you don't haven't. have to. Yeah. yeah. No, we don't. But I, ju- I would just say, um, you know, I met a Puerto Rican music therapist that was local and that made the whole like world of difference because like I said before I learned that I can make it like I saw myself Mm -hmm. and say okay so she was able to do it I I can do it too yeah so that and that that was while you were still in school yes Mm -hmm. so cool Mm -hmm. that's so cool yeah um, Were you remember. able to um, shadow her work too, or you just met her? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. And so, cool. so it was she was like my mentor, yeah, uh, which I really, uh, really, really appreciate, and um, that's one of the reasons why I also I'm here. To be yeah, honest. yeah. Um, so yeah, the the those people, those connections, they probably don't even realize it, but. They made a huge difference in that story, mm-hmm. and um, I'm forever, forever grateful for that. Wow, yeah. There's so mm-hmm. many moments in all of our journeys where it would be so much simpler to just drop it all and leave, mm-hmm. and and stop moving forward because of the very huge challenges and burdens, and like for you, shaming that has happened. And I feel like we need those people in our lives to, like, see the greatness within us and call it out and give us that support and say, no, let's do it together. You can definitely make it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's so cool to hear, you know, how there were key people in your life that, that kept you going. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so then, so you got your master's in music therapy, and mm-hmm. then what... Uh, what was your internship like after that? I completed my internship in behavioral health, psychiatric, uh, psychiatric hospital. So because of this experience, which was very, I mean, I, I really loved, I really love still working mm-hmm. in mental health. I thought that I was going to work in that field. And um, when I graduated, I did for a little bit. But um <clears throat> coincidentally I had a lot of my friends a lot of my friends are hospice music therapists mm. and um they were telling me oh yeah you should apply to a hospice yeah. you love it and I was like mm, I don't think that's for me. 
know I don't think that's for me but I I did I, mm-hmm. I, I did apply um to a hospice and um to this small town that I live in because I thought that my sister was going to move here and so I thought oh great we can live together and we'll have each other so I applied I got the job she applied and she never came (laughs) to to Florida so I moved and that's fine because then I Mm -hmm. you know ended up in hospice I wasn't necessarily um like so I wasn't I wasn't so attached to it that I thought this is what it needs to be. It was just like it very, very naturally came mm. to me mm-hmm. and that it needed to happen in that way. And yeah. I'm so glad that it did that it happened oh, that way. I because that. probably I wouldn't have um I wouldn't have ended up in hospice, who knows? Mm-hmm. And um I love working in end of life. I work working in the moment. I love how just simple it can be too yeah I don't know if that makes sense but and compared to my private practice clients for example I had to prepare a lot of Mm. resources and uh, materials but for my hospice clients I do I do prepare but it's like sometimes you can bring materials and you don't use them because it's just like Right. You just have to adjust to the person. And sometimes it's just being there that yeah. it's most valuable. Mm-hmm. Valuable. Um, I Yeah, I definitely found that in hospice work too, mm-hmm. that it's most important to just be present in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and almost like trusting that intuitive music therapy part of you, if you will. Mm-hmm to know where to go with the session and know what to do and and what what to bring to mm-hmm. your your patients yeah which I love that because yeah I can be so strict or structured in other areas right but in this I can just go with the flow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah okay so so you did some work in behavioral health and then you um, have been working in hospice now for a while um, but you're also back in school, mm-hmm. <laughs> master's number two, studying social work. Mm-hmm. So how did, how did that come about? Why did you even, you know, start pursuing, um, social work? Mm-hmm. There's a long, I guess it, I could <laughs> tell a long story, but I won't. Um, I... I wanted to focus on the studying social justice, and um, I also wanted to learn more of, um, or let's say, study in depth different um, therapeutic approaches and models, as well as having a degree or Mm -hmm. pursuing a degree that will lead me to receive a license that is Mm. um, recognized through Mm -hmm. the state Um, and um, that could allow me to work in some ways that I am limited by music therapy 
if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I, I'm, I'm not going to get into the details, but sure. there's, there were some things mainly I am uh, driven by working with Latinx clients, Hispanic clients, that mm-hmm. I realized that I was limited by yeah. that because I needed a different um, degree. Yeah, you ha- you needed like a broader set of skills beyond yes. music therapy mm-hmm. and licensure. Totally, mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally feel that. Like, there are so many places where I'm like, okay, this is as far as I can go with you, because I don't have the extra, um, you know, whatever it is. I don't have the counseling skills. I don't have the resources. I um, don't have the license to then bill insurance and exactly. And then it's, you know, you can only work with so many people who can pay you um, for your music therapy services. So I I can totally understand why you would want to um, broaden your scope of practice with with a new skill set. And like what you said, a license that provides you a little more access to working Mm -hmm. with people and, and, and helping them with with services that can be um covered so yeah so So how has it been sorry go ahead no that that (laughs) was the main reason to be honest Mm -hmm. not that i don't love music therapy or anything that's not the reason i think that Mm -hmm. that was a fear of mine and and telling uh, music therapists or, or colleagues of mine telling them that i will be pursuing social work you know, that was a, a fear of mine. You know, no, it's not that I don't love music Like therapy you're betraying the field or something. Exactly. <laughs> In some ways, it felt like that. Oh, man. You know, not really. Like, I, God forbid we have other things that we want to do with our life. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And that that's a, a very, I, I, I realize that that's a very common feeling for other yeah. cross-trained music therapists or yeah. therapists um I was part of the panel with um Kate Shannon and we oh, talked yes. about that mm-hmm. so it's it's a feeling that we that we have in common cross-trained music therapists yeah like like you're almost not allowed to go into a different field Yep. Um, but I mean, how has it been since you've been studying social work? Like, how how has your music therapy work felt mm-hmm. with I some new skills? Literally, feel like I have. I am a better music therapist. Ah, oh, so cool. So cool. and confident. Yeah. And just more resourceful. Hmm. I don't regret it at all. Oh, so cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we've made it a long way since your engineering days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you went through all of this. And, um, you know, I want to ask you, do you feel like your experiences moving to um, – moving away from from your family in Puerto Rico um, to the States, and then all of your experiences in school and in your job and, 
you know, whatever hardships you went through, do you feel like that has informed the decisions you've made, for instance, to pursue social work now? A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Because, you know, the, here's the thing. I am Hispanic and all that. I do have, um, and I I am a, like immigrant here, but I have my privileges too. Mm. You know, me, mm-hmm. compared, to, you know, and, and I, there's no way around that. And so, right. even though I had these hardships, mm-hmm. there are people that have, oh my gosh, the hardships that they have gone through and their trauma, they, mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot even fathom. And, right. um, but in a, because of those things, I don't know. I just, I guess it opened my eyes to the experiences of others and it made, I just, I just feel like I need to be an advocate for, Mm. for people that have experiences like that or, or people that are going through hard times because they are discriminated against or they're negated of services or they need support things like that yeah um so yeah I think it did it is informing how we I move forward mm-hmm. definitely yeah it sounds like you're you're um like all the the experiences that you've been through have really just opened you up to what other people may be going through. Mm-hmm. No, I I wouldn't. You know, when when I think of my family, I think sometimes I do think back and say, "Oh, I wish I was there with them." Yeah. You know? Especially now that. I haven't been able to see them, and just like many other people, oh, I don't mm-hmm. have that privilege to visit them. And um, that I sometimes say, well, I want I I I would have wanted to just be close to them, and then in other ways too, um, I I feel like that I'm I, it was what I needed to do mm-hmm. um and then I wish that I would have also gotten this insight without the trauma mm. you know if I could avoid that that yeah that would have been awesome yeah yeah it's like I feel like the the hard times and the trauma and the grief and whatever we go through gives us such a a more open, you know, worldview. But it's it's not what we would wish on anyone. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when we talk about grief and, and we talk about loss and death, it's like, you know, it's hard to understand what someone might be going through if they've lost a loved one. But you also don't want them to have to go through that to understand it because it's just so painful 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I love how you've seen that there's so much more going on in the world and there's um, so many more people who have been through so much trauma that you want to do more about it mm-hmm. beyond um, simply the music therapy that you have been doing. Yeah, I think it's so cool that that you were drawn into social work because of that. And now you get to do it. And, I mean, you're almost almost done with school, almost. right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh. Almost done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, would you say that, that all of your steps along the way were worth it for you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes, except for the, well, I guess you asked about the steps that I took. You didn't ask mm-hmm. about the experiences. Yeah. So, yeah. The, like yeah. I said, those experiences, I would, mm, you know, I would prefer not to have them, those memories. But um, yeah. yes, I, I, I would have. Yeah, I'm a, I am thankful of past Mabel for, <laughs> for taking those steps and making those decisions to mm-hmm. bring me to where I am now. I love that. Oh, that's so beautiful. You know, I feel like that's probably a good place to end. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that, that you wanted to share with us? I'm very thankful for um, you and this space. I think that it is important that we create more resilient spaces for people to share their stories with the with the world. Mm-hmm. I think stories are the most powerful weapon <laughs> to change the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautifully said. Um. So, Mabel, where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Limitless Harmonies. Awesome. And I'm so excited for our podcast to be out in the world. So check Mm -hmm. that out, Seasons of Resilience. Mm -hmm. And on that, I will see you all soon.